Hello and welcome to the Swine Disease Reporting System. This is the report number 41. My name is Edison Magalhães here at Iowa State University. Hello, my name is Giovanni Trevisan here at Iowa State University. And today we're going to cover uh, the SDRS findings from the month of June. And with that, we have a pleasure to have our, as our special guest here today in this edition, the July edition, uh, Dr. Monsi Torremorel from the University of Minnesota. Thanks a lot, Monsi, for, for joining us. Uh, Monsi, she earned her DVM at the Universi Universidad Autónoma de Barcelona in 1994 and her PhD at the University of Minnesota in 1999. Uh, Dr. Torre Morel, she has an extensive background in swine health research and production systems, including health management strategies, disease eradication, diagnostic, and biosecurity programs. I have to get a paper here because it's a lot of things, Monsi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't need to read uh, all those things. So, so, no, thank you for having me, Edison, uh, Giovanni. I really look forward to spending the next um, 20 minutes with you. So, thank you. Thank you for coming to our SDRS podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure for us. So <laughs> let's get started. And we start with a, with an overall question for our special guest, Monty. Uh, so what will be, what's your, the value that you see on, on these programs like uh, the SDRS and also you guys have at the University of Minnesota, the, the MSHIM program? And most of the practitioners, they say that they like to use both of the, of the, of the reports, of the information. They are kind of... Uh, integrate to each other. So what's the value that you see on that? Yeah, no, uh, thank you for the question. So, and it's a very good one. The way how I look at these reports is that they provide uh, a level of back, um, baseline information on the level of the disease we have, right, in the U.S. How well do we do as a, as a country in terms of, of the disease that are affecting pigs? And the principle there is that unless you measure disease, you cannot improve it. So you don't know how to improve things or whether what you do, whether it's working or not working, unless you measure it. So, so I do believe uh, these programs bring value in the sense that uh, give us data and information to help us evaluate the strategies and see whether we make progress on our efforts to control and eliminate diseases. And the other thing, um, it also serves these programs, they serve like a alarm system, if you will, mm -hmm. to help us anticipate uh, problems um, or trends on the diseases that otherwise we may not be seeing until it's too late. So very nice job uh, with those two programs and certainly a very useful tool for the North American industry. Yeah, no, really good. And that can serve also for an, as an example for other countries that they have the data, right? Mm -hmm. So let's get started. So here in the first page, we're going to start uh, on the, the first page. We're going to cover the, the page that covers the PCR detection for PERS. The next three, three sections, it's the PCR detection for PERS, enteric coronavirus, and mycoplasma detection. And the last page that we're going to cover is disease diagnostic uh, specifically. But here on the first page, which covered the PCR detection from the month of, of June uh, in the United States, what were the, the highlights from the, 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 this month, uh, Giovanni? Well, during June, we start to see some decrease in detection of PERS virus, especially at the end of the month. But at the same time, we have this uh, variant strain that emerged last year, that is the RFLP144 lineage 1C variant strain, that is being very active in some regions, 
more specifically Minnesota and Iowa. So with that, we have been seeing the lowest level on the city values observed for the winter market age category. So seems like we have lots of activity there. And or different displays different roles for different regions. So regions that are not seen or are not affected by these strains are following the trend of lowering detection of Paris virus and getting uh, the lowest levels of detection for summer months. So one concern that the U.S. wine industry overall have is that there was a couple of South Farmers outbreaks during May that they are going to start to send pigs uh, sooner for the nursing and finish sites. And during farm months, those pigs may start to play a, a, a role in terms of viremia and virus spread for this variant strain. So the advisory group remembers us to look for the biosecurity and biocontainment uh, points that they uh, shared last month on their last report to apply those in the farms and try to contain the spread of these strains and other agents across farms. Yeah, great. So, Monty, we have that, that information that Giovanni just mentioned regarding the low CT, especially for in the winter market. So we have also the knowledge from the, the advisory board. They are already warning us on, on that. We had that issue when the first uh, the strain started to occur at the end of 2020, and now we have that again on some, occurring again some South Farms in May. So what are your thoughts on, on that arena? Yeah, so certainly the data uh, indicates, and also when you talk to the veterinarians and producers of some of the regions, it's obvious that we are in an epidemic, so in the middle of an epidemic. We are in the middle of an outbreak. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this, um, this first one for four uh, line, uh, lineage 1C. So, so we are not out of it yet, and that's what... I believe we are seeing yet, even though maybe some of the PCR data starts indicating maybe a bit less of that activity. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we are still in the middle of it. Uh, also, usually in the summer, it's when we try to relax a little bit, right, uh, on some of these diseases um, uh, because of the seasonal component, but it certainly doesn't seem to be the case yet. I hear so concerning because of the economic losses associated with these 144 viruses and, and the fact, as you mentioned, that some of these sow farms will continue producing positive pigs that then uh, we'll see, we'll continue seeing some of the same trend during the summer and unfortunately in the fall, it seems like. So, but yeah, um, keep up the good biosecurity and see whether we can um, have less of a a concern going into the fall. You have lots of experience with uh, working with Paris virus, Dr. Tony Morel, and here and there, there is these new strains that emerged, like in 2014, there was this uh, 174, now the 144. What is your advice for the general advice for the US wine industry to overpass the, these turbulent times? Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's difficult and it's frustrating because we it seems like we have these outbreaks on a regular basis and always we think this is the worst compared to the prior one mm -hmm. when all of them are very bad. And it's very frustrating because obviously producers and veterinarians are working very hard to keep this virus out. And unfortunately, we don't um, fully understand how uh, in, in, uh, how the virus uh, moves around. We know the main routes, 
However, when we are in the middle of an epidemic, we have to remember that, yes, there is more of that virus. And in this case in particular, it seems like it's very uh, regionally located in a very specific region, very big region in the Midwest. So we just have a lot of the virus uh, moving around. So maybe some of the traditional biosecurity measures that one things we do for filtration or on uh, transport, sanitation, so on, people movement. Maybe we are still moving some of that virus around somehow just because of the massive amount of virus um, that it's present in the middle of an epidemic. So I think we just have to learn more about um, the intervention strategies that can help us knock down that amount of virus, that load of virus. And, um, and unfortunately, I don't think we have the answer yet, but we are working on it. Yeah, great points. And do you think that the people in the field, the veterinarians, the practitioners, they are uh, more aware of this role that the wing to market, the, the, the growing pigs have on, on going back to the salt farm, focusing on biocontaining the virus there first to avoid the salt farms? Yeah, that's a very good point. I think as an industry, the last uh, few years, I mean, or since the, the first control efforts started, we focus on the south farms, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and rightly so, because unless you have a, a pig that is negative at winning, why would you do anything in the growth finish, right? You have to start that uh, with that pig, and that's why we started the efforts in the south farms. But now we are at a point with the in, the, in the industry that we have to shift our focus to the growth finish. That's where, uh, what, 90% of the pigs are in the growth finish. Yeah. And then that's also where the viruses are. And unless we find a way to more effectively to contain those virus, mm -hmm. um, that they don't spread regionally or that we don't move them around, I think we need to look at that very seriously on how we um, uh, enhance the biosecurity measures mm -hmm. or how do we be biocontainment. And I'm just talking even simple things like how we move between sites yeah. when we go and mm -hmm. visit those things, right? I'm not talking of, about fancy things to get started, but just basic, very basic biosecurity. In one a survey that we did a couple of years ago in a subset of sites, I think we had like 70% of the responses share people moving between growth finish So, wow. so that there is always a chance that you bring something else with you um, just because even, even if you just change coveralls, uh, usually we don't tend to do such a good job in growth finish compared to the south farm. So the likelihood of you moving something around, it's there. Yeah, no, great points. Have opportunity with small things, not fancy. So, yeah. Yeah, fancy will come after. First, we yeah. have to work on the small things and then... We'll look into the fancy things yeah. as the next. If the small things don't work, then we'll look into the fancy ones. Yeah, oh, great. So let's let's move on to the next page here. It's the, the second page that covers the PCR detection for the enteric coronavirus. The same thing from PERS, but here in this page we have three agents. We have uh, PED, Delta coronavirus, and TGE. So Giovanni, what were the, the highlights from, from these pathogens in this, the previous months? We have good highlights here. The detection of disease agents are going to lower levels, as expected for this time of the year. Delta coronavirus that was pretty active during the beginning of the year, now is going back to the expected trend of detection, and no TG again this month. Yeah. So, as Giovanni said, Dr. Uh, Torremorel, PD is going down, but we, the other side, we have 
Delta coronavirus have been active during the 2021, especially in the winter. And it seems that it was a, a regional issue. No evidence of mutation that we, we spoke with some, some, some other uh, experts in this uh, arena. But there is not too much investigation to understand these characteristics. So what are your thoughts on, on it? You know, the coronaviruses are just fascinating, isn't it? I mean, we are seeing it now with COVID, right? The emergence yeah. of these strains, even though it doesn't seem like it was the case here for the Delta. But one of the things we are learning is that you can have, for whatever reason, uh, very uh, active outbreaks in a region. And I think that's what's happening here in this Delta coronavirus and the way how we have uh, some of the regions are confounded with the consolidation or the production system, right? Mm -hmm. so, so the way how we move ticks and the way how sometimes we do some, some uh, strategies, there is a risk that for whatever reason you just have um, spread within a pyramid, for instance. So, so mm -hmm. I don't know exactly on, the, on this case, but we always have to be watching for this type of situations. But again, that's the beauty of these reports, right? That the veterinarians can look at that and they can use that data, that ongoing uh, surveillance that they have in their systems, identify it as soon as possible. And then the nice thing about the Delta is uh, we know how to handle it at the yeah. farm level. Uh -huh. So having that information ahead of time or as it happens, uh, it's certainly an asset for the, for the veterinarians helping in these cases. So let's move to the next page now, which is the, the, the page that covers the, the, the PCR detection for mycoplasma, Hyamanomoni. So Giovanni, what were the, the highlights for the, the previous month? Again, we have great news here. <laughs> <laughs> the detection of mycoplasma Hyamanomoni is at lower levels for this, this year, for our age category. So no, no other remarks here. Great. <laughs> It's always good that. news, isn't it, when some of these disease trends come down? It's always good news. Oh yeah, and it's part and it's part of that seasonal component, I would think, right? That yeah. maybe there is less of that activity, less reports to or less cases to the labs, but also an indication that um, the the heat of the summer and the and the the daylight of the, uh, the hitting those uh, viruses or bacteria, it's helping us keeping them under control. I hope that's going to help us for control the, this new PERS virus strain too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know, it's a challenge when you are in the still in the epidemic phase of an outbreak, right? We yeah. saw it yeah. with COVID before. We see it on influenza uh, that you kind of still have an active, very active infection in the summer because you just have a lot of animals that are susceptible in yeah. the population. So, so summer doesn't always help us. Maybe it decreases the magnitude of the of the outbreak, but the the outbreak still takes place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a great point. We will just have to hold tight until it's over. <laughs> so let's move now to the next to the last page of the report. Uh, this page is the it covers the disease diagnosis detection. Here's from from Iowa State VDL. So basically, the the diagnosticians they assign for each case that they receive, they would assign a DX code referring the pathogens and the lesions identified. And Giovanni put that together also like he did for the for the, the, the PCR detection data. So Giovanni, what were the highlights for, for this month on the, the disease diagnose uh, arena? Well, on the disease diagnose, even though we have a, a restricted number of cases, there was some signal for increased detection of coccidiosis and mobile heart disease. And 
our advisory group has mentioned that there is some probably seasonal component in terms of the this diagnosis of coccidiosis. We don't have uh, in the market the, some medicines to use as preventive and treatment of these agents. And on the mulberry heart disease, it's more likely to be associated with some nutritional components mm-hmm. and some movement of animals that was provided as a feedback from our advisory group. And Monty, last month we had Dr. Yeski uh, telling us that he had some concerns about some sites uh, being burned with, with influenza A virus. And you are a specialist on that, so glad to have you here. So any revealing insights from, from specific pathogen regarding the, the epidemiology of it? Yeah, so influenza, uh, as you know, it's a virus that um, also spreads very quickly. And, and we have some of these strains, right, that keep changing and we have new strains coming into the farms. So when that happens, again, each farm goes through that epidemic course. But, you know, some of the tools we have on influenza that that are useful, and I think we're learning on how to use them better, it's vaccines, right? So vaccines help to, in some way, keep that outbreak um, more under control, even though it can still exist. But also we are learning that we have to um, combine vaccination with the application of certain management practices, in particular um, at the piglet level, So, and what we've learned recently is that you can just not have one or the other. You have to bring them, put them together to at least help control that influenza in the in the south farms mm-hmm. and then with the goal to win a negative pick. So, so um, stay tuned. We are working on that. More information hopefully will come out soon on the work we are doing. But I would say um, that I think can bring, um, can be helpful for producers and veterinarians to deal with some of these rampant um, flu infections. So. You you mentioned vaccine combined with management practice. In terms of vaccine is a very hot topic for influenza. Any news that you can bring or give some highlight for us here in terms of new vaccines or any analysis in terms of return of investment for the usage of vaccines for influenza? Yeah, you know, with flu vaccines, um, you know, we know they can work. You know, but it's a matter about the the quantity and the quality of the immune response. And what I mean by that is that agreement between the vaccine and what you have circulating in the farm. So that's why surveillance programs and the some of the the reports like the ones you are producing are helpful because that's point number one. That surveillance, knowing what you have in your farm and in in the neighborhood. So so we need that. So more than maybe having breakthrough on vaccines, I will just say that uh, some of the existing vaccines or even the old vaccines are just using them more strategically. Uh, even even when we don't have perfect vaccines, mm-hmm. the vaccines, flu vaccines can still be helpful. But what we found out, we are finding is that when that happens, you need to bring the management component to it and then you have a higher chances of success. So. Great Stay point. tuned. We'll be talking more about that at the Lehman Conference. So, great points. In Thank September. You. So we'll have more data then too. So we'll be happy to share um, with all the audience um, in September. We'll keep looking for it. Can you share the date? So just for those people that are watching 
and the, the yeah, website? Yeah, so the Lehman Conference this, time, this year will be, uh, the pre-conference is 18, 19th of September, so uh, Saturday and Sunday, and the actual conference is 20, 21st of September, Monday and Tuesday, and we'll, have, we'll be in St. Paul, okay. St. Paul, Minnesota, same location as in the past, but we will also be streaming live the conference for all those colleagues that cannot attend. So it's going to be a hybrid event, but uh, we look forward to welcome everybody in St. Paul. Um, but then in case you cannot make it for whatever reason, just uh, join us um, online because there will be a stream live. One of the good things that we learned with COVID to do the hybrid versions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always have to have a plan B yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, Monte, the last question here regarding influenza. So, it's common to see in the field influenza occurring uh, simultaneously with, with other infections and co-infections, especially, for example, PERS and influenza occurring. So, what would be your advice for, for when you have that scenario? Oh, I'm really, really concerned given what's happening with PERS, right? I mean, PERS um, and influenza together, they are just not a good combination, But I think in these cases, uh, you just have to work uh, with both protocols for both. I mean, certainly work at, um, at uh, getting the farms stable for PERS to the mm -hmm. best of your ability. And for influenza, you still have to do the, um, the legwork of characterizing the strains, understanding what's happening at the farm, and uh, do the control program. So I would certainly discourage our audience of uh, forgetting one um, forgetting controlling the pathogens with what they they need. So, so if anything, uh, as hard as it can be when we go through health challenges, we mm -hmm. still have to protect the animals for the other diseases, whether it is strep suis or or others. We have to work comprehensively to try to keep the pigs healthy. Oh, great comments. So basically, if we're gonna summarize the whole discussion here going to focus on that biosecurity and biocontainment arena for the for PERS and vaccine and management, both for PERS and, and influenza, right? They have to do occur simultaneously and effectively. And surveillance. Mm -hmm. And surveillance, yeah. And surveillance, yes. Keep well, it's hard to, to implement good control programs if you don't know what you have in there. And that's where the programs, as what you say, uh, the program at ISU and the, the program MSHIM or other programs Uh, help you know uh, the producers to know what they have. So and they can they can monitor that. I think that's the beauty of these programs, the fact that then you can measure whether what the intervention that you are doing it's helpful. Yep. Because you can say the data will tell you if you have to change or not. And how do you envision? We are talking about that. How do you envision the the, the future of disease diagnostic and and surveillance? Oh, I wish we, we had, um, I had a magic ball in front of me. But, you know, one thing that's happening is that, obviously, uh, diagnostics uh, are becoming uh, uh, more readily available in many places. So that, uh, coupled with the information management and how you use that information can be very exciting, bringing all those components to, you know, to the databases like production and so on. And merging that. Um, so I think it's exciting because I, I think we'll just be, hopefully we can do a better job managing the diseases. Oh, great. We usually ask that question for, for our guests. If, how do mm -hmm. we envision? Thanks for, for, for your point on that.
So that's it, Monty. Thanks a lot for, for participating today. Really good, good discussion. Appreciate. Dr. Liarins couldn't couldn't be here today, but uh, he said hi and, and, and thanks for, for accepting this invitation. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me and I look forward to join you at another a later date. And yeah, I wish I, uh, uh, Daniel would have been here. So hopefully we'll see him soon as well. We'll be all together at the Lehman Conference, hopefully. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Thank you, Monsi. Thanks Thank for you. joining, guys. Have a good one and see you guys next month. Thank you.